message this morning. I would like to vote for Brother Wilson this morning as our missionary. And just if you could raise your hand as a vote of yes, it is done. Praise the Lord. You become one of our church families. It makes me sad, I mean, honest with you, that uh, the five churches that he went, you're the only one that's open for. And that spoke about what's going on missionaries. I, I tell you why, when I was in deputation, I can tell you, I can write a novel about the things that I witnessed and saw and how discouraging can be. Uh, a missionary takes a, a toll about five years uh, before you can become a, can go to another country. Uh, it's it's kind of sad. It shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way. We should not put a price tag on God's work and God's gospel. Uh, I wonder for it is to be able to, you know what, they're beacons of light that go to another world, shining the gospel light, and we are the ones behind that, making sure that light keeps on shining. Send the light, as we just sing this song, send the light, we're sending them out to places we do not go. And we are the fuel, so to speak, that continues to fuel that light so they can shine for Jesus. I tell you what, it, it, I'm not, not surprised, but it makes me sad to know that uh, churches are not able to do that. I, I, I'm just a little sad this morning about that when I heard the news. But anyway, if you could stand, uh, look at Romans chapter 1. And uh, this morning we're going to continue our missions month. Refocus, I think, is very important. And we're going to refocus, we've been refocusing on the gospel. And I think the gospel is what changed people's lives. Uh, there was a man that works uh, uh, next to me. Uh, his nickname is Grumpy. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't put, I didn't give him that name. Somebody else gave him that name. You know, he's been called Grumpy before I met him. Uh, you know, I think we're going to change him to, to stop being grumpy and be like, you know, uh, a happy person. It would be the gospel. Uh, so let's look at Romans chapter one and verse fourteen to verse sixteen. Look what it says. Paul saying right here, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, look what he says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. But look what it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. May we, as your children, never be ashamed of your word. May we never be ashamed of this wonderful gospel that changes people's lives. Help us, Lord, to be always willing to open our mouths and tell those who are lost about the great Savior. Father, Lord, life is but a, a minute. And people are dying each and every day. Help us, Lord, to be faithful servants of the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Is it worth sharing the gospel, folks? Uh, the kids are dismissed. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, folks, is it worth sharing the gospel? 
I, I was teaching the young people this morning, uh, and I'm going to continue on that, is about how can I apply the Bible into my lifestyle? Because ultimately, is this. is not what so-and-so says, because so-and-so cannot live your life. All of us live our own lives. How can I apply the Bible to my lifestyle? How can I put God's word in the life that I live each day? So I'm, I'm going with them on this one. I think it is a good title, especially in this day and age that we live in, the pressures that young people have. But anyway, is it worth sharing the gospel? Is it worth me to go to a restaurant? Is it worth me to be in a workplace? Is it worth for me to be in my neighborhood? Is it worth to me to, as I travel? Is it worth whatever I go? Is it worth for me to actually open my mouth and tell the stranger and go, to, go out of my comfort zone and tell a stranger about Jesus. Is it worth? You know, especially when we uh, got roughed up and, you know, disrespected by somebody and you just shaking your hand, and go, it's like, is it worth continue to do that? It is worth. Did you ever heard the saying that bad news travels fast? Bad news really travels fast. We for sure are living in a fast-paced world with many forms of communication are, giving, are getting faster and faster. These days, I mean, with the electronics that we have, it's just quick. News just travels so quick. So we for, for sure are living, and sometimes in even those social media that is out there, sometimes you can get better news of people than actually the media. <laughs> You go like scratch your head like they're professionals. I can get better news from these folks over here. So we for sure are living in a fast-paced world where the many forms of communication are getting faster, like I said. So the gadgets that we carry today allows us to read the news in a few minutes or a few seconds after it happens. So the amazing speed technology allows us to know, uh, uh, know the, the news from around the world in an incredible time and fashion. So, but if we, if we really pay attention to the news uh, each and every day, we will come to the sad conclusion that what makes news is just bad news. What makes news is just bad news. Listen to the 6 o'clock news. Mostly it's just bad news. They're reporting bad news. Uh, people got to an accident. This happened, that happened, and they put it in the news. You know, a guy that is a godly person, live right, do right, you know, a woman that does the same thing doesn't go on the news until they do something wrong and bad. Then they go on the news, and then the whole world knows about them. So, <laughs> so that this, and this type of, uh, uh, I mean, I get my glasses on because I can't read what I put here. Oh, there you go. I can see now. <laughs> so, in this type of news, I have, I have a way to get into the minds of people who spend a great time of their day talking about it. They hear this bad news, and the bad news comes on, and they talk about it all day. And each of these people, you know, they, we, we find ourselves sucked into this vacuum of so much uh, 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 negative talking or negative news that we begin to even get our own opinion about it. So this happens with newspapers, radio. Is such thing as newspapers anymore? I don't even know if newspapers exist anymore. Who reads the newspaper anyway? Uh, radio talk shows. Uh, radio talk shows, uh, uh, there's another one. Uh, uh, TVs and the Internet, so everybody, a lot of people take their news out of social media these days, out of Facebook and stuff, and be careful with that. So we must not ignore the power 
of the media when it comes to dictate news. You know, the media have a way to do something they want they put there which they want you to hear. And sometimes they become the center of the news. They don't report the news. Now, just report the news for what it is. But anyway, so they know what type of news they can make an impact on society, and they know what type of news they really want to sell, or what type of news really sells. So the main interest, interest, I put it like this, we have a conflict going on, and most of us don't even hear anymore, in Russia, and what's the other country? I don't even know anymore. Ukraine. Do you hear anything about it? Not anymore. You know why? Because it, the media have no more interest on that. So go on with other things. But it's still going on. Anyway, so, so it seems that the more negative news, the more impact it creates among people. So it is a different, a different type of news that, will, that I will like to share with you this morning. It is called the good news. Don't you know that the gospel is always the good news? When, you know, when God's people go anywhere and share the gospel, they're sharing the good news. It goes, it fits the rich and the poor, the weak and the, and the frail, the hurting. It fits anyone. And when it comes in, it comes as a piece of good news because it comes, you know, it cleans you up. Wow. It makes you whiter than snow. It makes you a child of the king. It gives you a future in heaven. Tell you, it's a good news, isn't it? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning about this good news. That's why it's important missions and missionaries. They are beacons of light going into a world that is dark. I tell you, folks, if the Lord would allow us to see the darkness of this world, I'm talking about spiritual darkness. If the Lord only allow us to See the spiritual darkness of this world. I'm not talking about the world itself. I'm talking about darkness, spiritual darkness in the lives of people. We will be touched. We'll be telling people about the great Savior. So let's, for a brief moment this morning, look about four important points about this good news, this gospel message. Number one, the boldness on delivering the gospel. Actually, the boldness of the living. Go to Philippians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. And Paul is going to describe here who Paul was to us and what God did to him. You know, folks, I think this morning here, those of you who are saved, who are saved and those of you on social media who are saved, I tell you, I think we can tell where we were, what kind of people we were, until we got, received the good news and took it to heart, received Jesus as our Savior, and what God did in our life. Look what he says. This is the great apostle Paul, which we think, oh, I should be like Paul. No, be who you are. Look what it says in verse 5. Circumcised of the eighth day, the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He's telling, telling us who he was, who he is, and a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law of Pharisee. So this guy, he was what? He lived by the ladder of the law. You didn't know the law more than Paul knew. He was a man that lived by the ladder of the law. And look what it says. Concerning zeal. Persecuting whom? The church. Touching the righteous which is in the law. Look what it says. Blameless. See how proud for he was? He was blameless. Look what it says. But, but, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. 
Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but gone that I may win Christ. He said, literally said, I have suffered the loss of, the loss of all things. See, when he received the gospel, when he received Jesus as his personal Savior, all that life that he had all went down the drain, so to speak. But he gave that, and he never looked back. Do you remember the type of person you were and what type of life you were living before your salvation? I mean, those, those who grew up in Christian homes, the only thing you saw is a little Bible. They're like, well, that's... But people like me, the lifestyle that I lived before I got saved, much different the way I live today. And some of you can say the same thing, especially those of us who are adults, adults here, what kind of lifestyle, what kind of person I was and what kind of lifestyle I lived and what God have done for me when the gospel reached me, what it did in my life. Can you, can you give a testimony, a testimony to people of the way you used to be before you got saved? Well, the Apostle Paul describes here to the Philippian church the person that he used to be before salvation. But uh, something happened in, the Mas in Damascus Road right here that changed the life of Paul completely. Isn't that what the gospel does? Folks, let me put it this way. The White House is not going to change the country. No politician is going to change the country. And people say, if we have this president and that president, change. listen, folks, the only thing they're going to change the heart of man is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, not politics. That's why I don't talk about politics here. You know why the pulpit is made to preach God's word? You know, and we think like, off is this, off is that. And let me listen. People are people, and no one is perfect. You follow that? And if we rely on people, we're going to be disappointed from time to time. We will be disappointed. Oh, I can't believe that person let me down. Oh, I can't believe. That's the way it because we're imperfect. But anyway, I tell you what, when the gospel reaches the heart of people, that person is going to change. And it's going to change for the better. Look what it says, letter A. Is the, I call this the I am's of Paul right here. I said, I am a debtor. Look, I said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So Paul was a recipient of God's grace. Paul knew how lost he was. Paul understood the meaning of the Great Commission. Paul understood and testified the same grace that reached him and, and how he wanted to reach others. And then from the day that Paul got saved, that was his goal. He kept on going. He kept on going. He suffered much for it. But folks, we not to just get saved and say, well, I don't care about others. That's not what God wants us to do or live our lives. We ought to tell others about the great Savior, to live, to bring this, this news to those who are spiritually blinded. Paul says right here, he was a debtor. So just as Paul was a debtor, every true born uh, child of God is a debtor to those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says right here, both to the, to the Jews and to the, to the, it says right here, both to the barbarians, both to the, uh, I'm sorry, to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So he said, he goes back to the Greeks. He says, it's anyone. Doesn't mean it's just this person or that person. Somebody said to me, so are you going to East Providence just to preach to the Portuguese people? I said, no. We're going to preach to everyone. Because everyone needs Christ. Everyone needs the Lord. We're not Calvinists here. We preach the gospel to everyone, to whosoever will. 
call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he was a debtor. Me and you, we are debtors to what? We received a wonderful gospel. We receive a wonderful news. This news transformed our lives. We are citizens of heaven now. We are the children of the king. And I tell you what, now we, have a, we had an obligation. That's why the Lord commissions us to go and tell. Tell what about this great news. Don't, don't keep it to yourself. Look what it says, let it be. I am ready. As I am, so Paul, uh, I am ready. Look at verse 15, it says, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. So I am ready, Paul says. Uh, uh, are you ready to go and tell those who are lost that they need a Savior? He says, I'm, says, he says right, oh, Pastor, I'm not a preacher. No, you're not. Well, don't you know when you open your mouth and tell about Jesus, you're actually preaching? You never thought that way, did you? When you tell someone, you begin to talk about Jesus in the workplace, whatever, you're preaching, actually, you preach, that's what you're doing. And so I'm not a preacher, that's for the preachers. No, 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 that's for all of us. All of us. Paul was, was, not, was not deterred by fear, or for, for he was on the... On the the, the direction of God, as far as the Lord would give him an opportunity, he was ready to, to make known to them the gospel. Any, any why not? Everywhere Paul went, we know from the gospels uh, and from the, the letters that Paul wrote to the church, everywhere went, Paul was a man that went and told people about the gospel. So listen to this. Paul was a prepared man for a prepared cause. Let me put it this way. How prepared are you to tell others about Jesus? Well, I don't know how. Let me put it this way. Don't you know you can use any verse in the Bible and tell someone about Jesus? Any verse in the Bible, it is an open door to tell someone about the Lord. Look what it says. Actually, go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I want you to see something there and see how do you prepare yourself to tell someone about the Lord. Don't be one of those persons that someone says to you, uh, why do you go to church for? Well, I don't know. I just go to church. That's not the right answer. When somebody asks you that question, why do you go to church for? Oh, that is right there. An opportunity to tell them, I go to church because that's who I am. That's why I go there for, and I want you to come with me. Look what it says there in 1 Peter 3.15. Look what it says. But, big word right there, sanctified. The Lord in your where? hearts and be what? Ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is where? In you with meekness and fear. So that hope that is in you, that hope of heaven, that hope that you have in your heart, God says be ready to give it to someone else. I wonder just how many of us who profess to be followers of God are ready to go where he bids us to go, say what he bids us to say, and to do what he commands us to do. Paul boldly proclaimed that he was ready for the gospel. And we should be ready as well. Wherever we go, tell them about the Savior. I said, but I'm too busy. We're never too busy to give the gospel to someone. You know how we fill the church? By go tell others that they need a Savior. Oh, but listen, there's always a seed that is planted. There's always water that needs to be put there. 
He's all tilted. He's all kinds of stuff. You know what? And the harvest comes after. We keep doing it. We keep doing Let us see. It says, I'm not ashamed. That's the third I am of, of Paul right here. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. May we never be ashamed of Jesus. May we never be ashamed of him. May we never be ashamed of his gospel. May we never be ashamed of the cross. May we never be ashamed of, of open our mouth and testify that we are Christians, that we love Jesus and his gospel. See, look, let me put it this way. Rome was a proud city, and the gospel came from Jerusalem, the capital city of one of the little nations that Rome had conquered. And Christians uh, on that day were not the very elite of society. The gospel was a message that originated in and rose out of the Jewish background. We know that. And the Jewish people did not rank very high in the eyes of the nations around them. Some Jews would have been hesitant to share such a message with non-Jews. Peter was one of them. Now, many non-Jews would not have listened to, the, to a Jewish preacher uh, preach, but, but, uh, uh, but a, a Jewish, about a Jewish Savior, I'm sorry. So the message Paul preached was incredible and beyond belief here. Think of it. The Savior, uh, Paul preached, was a male member of a despised Jewish race. He was said to be the Savior of men. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the God, uh, to be the God and men at the same time. His dad was surrounded by uh, uh, in shame because he died on the Roman cross, the very symbol of shame. Yet in dying, that shameful death, Jesus claimed to have died for lost sinners. Paul preached that this same uh, uh, sacrifice, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day after he died. You see the gospel? That is a tremendous story. Paul went on everywhere preaching that gospel, that message. Get this. For, for too many people, the claims of the gospel were too bizarre to believe. Now, we must understand that the gospel is a different or difficult message for a lost, prideful world to accept even today. Even today, some people have a problem with the gospel. You know, they question and they question and they question. I'll tell you this. When you talk to someone that is lost and they ask you a question and you, listen, this is one thing that you need to keep in focus. Give them the gospel. Because they ask you a question and you try to answer the question, they already have another question before you try to answer this question. And you try to answer the next question and, and they already have another question and it gets you to get frustrated. Stick with the gospel. They don't know theology. They don't know nothing of this stuff. They don't know doctrine. Give them the gospel. That's what they need. Stick with the gospel. Be simple with the gospel. Because after that, then it comes discipleship. Otherwise, you get frustrated. You get to an argument back and forth, and you come out of there and go, oh, that was a waste of time. No. Give them the gospel. Look what it says about this gospel. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1, we're going to read about this gospel that Paul was delivering, this message that missionaries take throughout the world, this message that a Bible-believing church keeps on proclaiming in our world today. Look what it says there in 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, what? Foolishness. But unto us which are saved is what? The power of God. Verse 22 says, for the Jews required a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Seems like it's America today. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, look what it says, a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, foolishness. 
But unto them which are called both Jew and Greek, Christ the power of God uh, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God, look what it says, is wiser than man. And the weakness of God is stronger than man. So Paul is very, very open right here and says, you know what? It's a stumbling block to many people. It's foolishness to other people. But now we know that is the truth. It is the gospel that is going to transform people's lives. I tell you what, if it transforms my life, it can transform any life out there. It can. That is the reason why the Bible says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of a one sinner that repented. Listen, when somebody repents of their sin, accepts Jesus as Savior, there is a celebration in heaven. Because, folks, it is a miracle taking place. When somebody receives Jesus as Savior, that is a miracle. Because now they're accepting the foolishness of the gospel. There is joy in heaven because it is a great miracle. There should be joy in our hearts as well. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, and I will preach this gospel. I will continue to preach. He had confidence in his message to be true. As his changed life was a testimony of the power of the gospel. If you are saved here today, you too have experienced the power of the gospel in your life. It don't matter what the world does, what the world believes, where the world goes. We know what we believe. Don't you? And nothing can take that away from you. Number two, we see the power of the gospel. I like that word power. It's strong. It's a strong word, the power of the gospel. Look what it says. For I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? The power of God. Paul tells us that the gospel is the power of God. The word, the word power comes from that word that refers to the mighty energy force and strength that dwell within God. God could have revealed his power against sin in a way that he chose. But you know what? He could, because of our sin, he could, he could send everyone to hell. But God says, no, I send you my gospel. And if you receive that, you can accept Jesus as your personal Savior. It is a blessing to know when the Lord moved to do something about sin, he exercises power in sending men the gospel of grace. I'll tell you what, through, uh, through the ages there have been many wars. Many wars. And you know what? The gospel always penetrated through those wars and went to the heart of man, and many got saved. It continues to do it, folks. You know what? Because it's powerful. God's word is powerful. May we believe that. If we don't believe that, then might as well just pick up our things and go home because we don't believe that God can transform people's lives. I tell you, we're looking at someone that God changed the life around. Because it is power in the gospel. God takes a sinner and saves him by his grace and makes him a new creature. Can you believe that? Friend, that's the power of the gospel. That's why I feel bad like those missionaries. Let's send them out. Let them go. I mean, Brother Wilson showed me his Bible. I look at him and say, that's Hebrew to me. <laughs> I can read a word out of that Bible. I mean, look, look, little things in there. And he says, that's John chapter this. He's like, really? <laughs> I don't know what. Praise the Lord that he is a beacon of light going somewhere. Preaching the gospel. Folks, I tell you what. There's one thing that I love is to preach about missions, missionaries, and, and about this great gospel. Because we may not forget as a church body 
that we have a, 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 a great commission given, not like, oh, I go to church today. Oh, I go to... No, that's not about that. It's about getting the, getting the gospel out. And that's a form of getting the gospel out. I'll tell you what. I'll give an example of people. I could give examples of many people who have received Jesus as their personal Savior. And what God has done in their lives, actually changed their life. You know, I, it's, it makes me sad when I see Christians, that people that got saved, and they never, like, got the Bible, the Word of God, and say, Lord, I got saved, I'm your child. Lord, no, I want to know about you. I want to know about you. I want to know you, Lord, so I can, I can please you. With the, I don't see desire in their hearts to change. They're the same old, same old to them. It's like, that shouldn't be like that, folks. The power of the gospel comes to us now. You know, I, know I, I remember when I got saved. I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, and, and my wife knows that. We used to have a little swing in front of our door because our house was pushed in Warwick where we used to live. And we had a little swing there right outside the, outside the door. Remember that, right? I remember my wife was at work on Sunday, and I just got saved. And I found myself swinging outside, reading the Bible, something I never did before. Nobody told me to do that. I wanted to know the God of the Bible. Listen, but we should not lose that zeal. Don't lose it. Don't lose the zeal. It's like, you know what? Well, well, no, no. Open up every day. Read it. Get to know your God. Listen, listen, please. Paul's message is the power of the gospel. For there, is, there are many gospels in our world today. Don't you know that? Let me give you some. There's a power, the gospel of religion. It teaches you that to do this and do that. So as always, do, 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 don't, don't, don't. How many, good, how many goods you do, how many bads you do, it's always like a scale there. They even tell you if you do more goods than bad, then you go to heaven. Folks, that's religion at, at, its, at its core. God is not there with a the, with, with the little thing, you know, and they go, oh, good, oh, oh, bad. No, no, no. That's the gospel of religion. Number two, there's the gospel of materialism. Is that there are many TV preachers out there, be careful who you listen to. And many churches throughout this land who fall on their faces. The gospel of Christ is priceless, folks. This gospel of materialism. Listen, let me put it this way, okay? And I'm saying this with my whole heart because I love you, all of you, all right? Be careful with the preachers that you listen on YouTube. Be careful. I'm not saying don't go and listen, but be careful to who you listen to because these people can change your mind. Stick with the gospel. Stick with the Bible. Read your Bible. Listen, you're not missing much. Read your Bible. If you watch someone, listen to someone that is credible. Otherwise, they can lead you astray. TV preachers out there. Oh, goodness. I was listening one, one time. He said, he's talking about money. And he said this way. I turned off the TV. I, 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 I couldn't take it. If you send me $2,000, I know God's telling me that next, but this week, you're going to receive $4,000. Folks, that's the truth I'm telling you. I said, I had enough of you. Change it right around. I'm like, I have enough of you. I'm, but how many people listen to that? So the gospel of religion, the gospel of materialism, the gospel of liberalism. It says, it says I'm okay, you okay. All roads lead to heaven. It don't matter what religion you belong to. We all worship the same God. That is not true. 
We live in a day and age of like, ah, oh, it's okay. As long as you're good, as long as you're being right, we are going to heaven. God is love. God is a God of justice. That's the God of the Bible. And a God of love as well. So, let me boldly say that Allah is not the God of the Bible. We had a lady that came here and we had a good argument. <laughs> I told her straight up, no, he's not the God of the Bible. Buddha is not the God of the Bible. All right? Confucius is not the God of the Bible. He was very confused. He's not the God of the Bible. The gospel of Jesus Christ is one gospel without any compromises and any association with, it, with any other gospel or religions or gods. There's only one God, folks. Look what it says in uh, 1 Timothy 2.5. 2, it says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one God. There's only one gospel. 1 Corinthians 15.1 says, uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye received, and in hand we, ye stand, by which also ye are saved, and if ye keep in memory that which I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Folks, so there are folks out there that say that Jesus never died. Yes, he did die. Then he moved the stone and he went, you know, whatever, you know the story. You know, no, he did die. And he rose from the dead on the third, third day. That's the gospel. Don't entertain this foolishness that goes on out there. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by, by me. There's only there's a, the gospel of society out there. The gospel that says, do as, please, as you please because life is short. Enjoy life to the fullest because life is short. Eat, drink, have parties everywhere because we're going to die anywhere. Really? So, Pastor, you're telling me that I have to be the most boring person on the earth because I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be a boring person. Really? Enjoy life to the fullness. But take the gospel with you. You can love God and be happy. You can love God and be joyful. Listen, it's not like this. You can make your life as a misery. Or you can make a life, your life as a joyful thing. It's all up to you. Don't you ever think that if I go to church, if I read my Bible, if I'm a Christian, I'm going to be a boring person. Or, you know, like, oh, I'm going to miss out in life. You will not. So there's a gospel of society out there. So there's all kinds of gospels out there. But I tell you what, we preach one gospel. The gospel of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we send missionaries to be beacons of light for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, you see, the purpose of the gospel. Why did God go to such lengths for man? Why did, did, uh, did he give up his son to die on the cross for, you, for you, to the sins of humanity? Did he do that so we could make movies about it? Did he do that to, so, to deceive millions of people? Did he do that so we could feel bad, feel bad about the poor, uh, the poor man called Jesus that was nailed to a cross and died innocently? Why did God do that? Why did God left the, the riches of heaven 
to come to a cross, to be spit in the face, and to be nailed to a cross. Obviously, yes, brother, love. There's love for us. Because you know what? I love that word. Love is an action word, and God proves to you and me. I love you this much. So when you look at Calvary's cross, when you see that cross, you can see the love of God in there. When, when Jesus opened those arms, and he was, he's between heaven and earth, and he's telling you and me, I love you this much. The question is, do I love God enough to tell others about his love? And then Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. By keeping those commandments, we show the world and the Lord how much we love him. Love. God's love for his creation caused him to leave the riches of heaven and came to earth to be nailed into a cross, to pay the price for my sin and your sin. Get this, Calvary is the greatest display of God's love. If you have a doubt, wonder, or even question how much God loves you, just look at Calvary's cross. Look what it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you know that verse is written in the present tense? If you know any English grammar, it tells you that no matter what age you live in, anyone can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's the gospel. Actually, this verse right here, John 3.16, is a gospel right there, that whole verse. Folks, God's love is real and strong. Actually, God's love is so deep that there's no, not a person on the face of the earth that will go to hell unloved. They will go there on their own because they fail or they refuse, they reject the love of God. God does not love their sins. That is the reason why he made salvation available to every man. But he loves every sinner. Get this, if a person ever doubt how big, how deep is the love of God for them, that person needs to stop and look at Calvary's cross. For at Calvary, his blood was shed, his body was broken, and his love is demonstrated to everyone who wonder how big is the love of God. I never, never forget this. I was going from door to door here in East Providence. I was in the Riverside area. I have this survey that I, that I created about just 15 questions, a, a quick survey, and it's very simple questions. But I, those questions really opens the heart of men. And one of the questions is, who's Jesus to you? So men said, he's a lunatic. I was taken back. I was like, wow, I never expected that such an answer. Then I don't ask him the question that was not in the book. I said, why do you think he's a lunatic? What did he do to you? And this man was religious. He gave me the name of his religion before I got to that question. So I told him, I said, so you go to church to worship a lunatic? I mean, you know, you have to come with these questions, you know, because he's calling him. So you go to church to worship a lunatic? He kind of thought a little bit about it. Let me ask you, you this question. Isn't being saved a wonderful thing? Isn't, isn't a wonderful thing to know for sure that heaven is our home someday and that we will be with the Lord for all eternity? That is the greatest hope that a human heart can have. I know I'm going to heaven 
when this life is over. Number four, almost done, the plan of the gospel. What's the plan of the gospel? Look what it says in verse 16 of our text. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew and also to the Greek. So verse 16 tells exactly how this gospel message of salvation is to everyone that believeth, folks. It's not for a, a few people. It's for every person. It doesn't matter what race you come from, what culture you might come from, what language you speak. The gospel message, it, it, pa it passes those barriers and reaches everyone. That's why it's important that we send missionaries. Why? Because they're beacons of light going to other parts of the world, bringing the gospel message. That wonderful message that people need to hear. What about social media? Can you reach the most other parts of the earth with social media? Look at that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Put it out there. This makes it clear that the biblical salvation does not involve complicated rituals or need a religious exercise. Salvation is a product of faith and faith alone. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus and Jesus alone is the Savior of mankind. Look what it says in Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God. Why? Because it's not of works. Because if it's of works, I would say to you, my salvation is better than yours. You follow that? I say my salvation is better than yours because I'm oh, just a better Christian than you are. That is prideful, isn't it? Pride and arrogance. No, and it says it's by the grace of God. That we are saved. So let us the plan to reach everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. I'll tell you what, no Calvinist can convince me of that. Run right there. Don't spiritualize the verse. It says whosoever will. Look what it says. That whosoever believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, whosoever means everyone. Everyone. The plan of salvation is not just for a few, a few people. It's for everyone. Jesus shed his blood, his blood and his blood is capable to cover all sin of those who come for him for salvation. So the gospel matches the good news is to reach the people, all people of all languages in all parts of the world. So salvation comes to the person who is willing to simply receive and believe the message of Christ by faith alone. Look what Jesus said in John 5, chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me had everlasting life and should not come into condemnation but passed uh, from death into life. And John chapter 6, verse 47 says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on, on me had everlasting life. So God's plan is for the good news of the gospel to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the, other, the othermost parts of the earth. They say, Pastor, what can we do as a little church? Well, we can do so much. We can do it. But you know what we need? We need unity of mind and heart. One person cannot do everything by himself. We need it collectively as a body of believers and say, Lord, let, I mean, let's say, let's go forward and deliver this gospel message. So what we do for missions, 
All right, so we have missionaries in, the other, in America and other, other parts of the world. So what do we do? We pray for them. Pray for them. Take one missionary every week and pray for that missionary for the whole week. The following week, grab another missionary, pray for that missionary. Then I would pray for the other missionary. You know why? Because they need your prayers. Support them financially. So they become the beacons of light that they need to be. Because in other, more, in other, other countries, let me tell you, those people cannot work. And let me tell you, let's be realistic here. They eat just like you. They need a place to sleep just like you. They have utility bills just like you. But the one thing that, you, you know, that, that, that they do and they're presenting us, they go in and telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's their purpose, why they go. Let it be the plan to share with everyone. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nature, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things which have I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So when you give somebody a track, you're not alone. Follow that? When you open your mouth, you're not alone. When a missionary goes to another country, he's not alone. But God wants us to go and tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. May we not be so far removed from what God calls us to do that we totally forget, forget altogether. So we, we, we do as a church, we kind of create things, try to create things, outreaches and things so we can reach those who are lost. We can do more, can we? I think you can agree with me. We can do more, a lot more than what we do. We can do a lot more. Remember, when you think about it, the church in the book of Acts met every day. We meet twice a week. We can do a lot more for the Lord, but we need unity of, unity of mind and body. Now, one people, two people, one person or two people doing the whole, the whole work of the church, it can't do that way because eventually you get burned out. It takes the whole church, folks. So the plan to share the gospel with everyone. So share it. Tell others about the Lord Jesus. Whatever you go. Be wise how you share the gospel. Be wise. Don't get into arguments with people. Be wise how you open your mouth. How you tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us see. A plan to proclaim with everyone. We must never say, what is the use? No one cares anymore. We can't come to... We can't... We can't we can come to, to such a conclusion if we listen to the naysayers. For the, for the record, you listen, you accept it, you care. And like you, there are many others who will listen, who will accept it, who will care. So you see someone with a good house, a good boat, a good car, and you say, oh, those people all set in life, they will never listen. Don't let that lie penetrate your, your eyes and your minds and, and, and your spirit. You know what? Because they're people just like you are. You know one thing the Lord taught me? You want to hear that? At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. It doesn't matter where you are in life, financially speaking, at the foot of the cross, we're all the same. We all need a Savior. Rich, poor, no matter who they are, they need a Savior. So you know what? We tell them about the Lord. A plan to proclaim with everyone. We're not a segregated group here. I can see that from, you know, 
different backgrounds that we have right here. You know why? Because we just keep going and do it. I conclude with this. You've been given a gospel worth believing and one that is worth sharing. The gospel, the good news, the greatest news everyone can receive. The gospel is the power, had the power to change people's lives. It changed your life and can change anyone's life. So what we do? Let's go and tell. Let's go and tell. Take those tracks, given five tracks a week. Take it serious. Strive to give someone five of those a week. Strive to do that. You can go walk down your street and give a bunch of tracks. That's where the harvests are. You can go to the grocery store and plenty of folks there. And, you know, it, it's not a hard thing to do. It's not a hard thing to do. It's the willingness to do it. You follow that? It's not a hard thing. It's the willingness to do it. If we're willing to do it and committed to do it, we'll do it. You know what? And when we do it, obeying what the Lord's calling us to do, go and tell. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful message that you give to us. You give your children so we can share with others. Is it worth to share the gospel? Yes, it is, Lord. Give us the strength and the commitment that we need as your children to go out and tell others about the great Savior. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here, someone on social media this morning, they never really received Jesus as their personal Savior. May they call upon you today, Lord. May they accept this wonderful, powerful gospel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.